Hey everyone, Tessa Stuckey here with For the Sake of Our Youth. I just want to take a quick second to thank you for listening and joining me on this journey. This is a really scary world that we live in and being a parent is without a doubt the hardest job in the world. I am a mom of four, I'm a therapist, and now I'm an author. I'm so excited to announce that my book, For the Sake of Our Youth, was recently published in April. You can find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. As a therapist, I get this amazing advantage to hear what's going on in today's world for our youth, and I just can't be quiet about it, to understand what's going on in today's culture and how it's affecting our kids' emotions. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not looking good. I have always said that I could talk about this forever, so much so that I could write a book about it. So I wrote the book about it, but I'm not done talking. So here we go. Ooh, also, sorry. If you're liking what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe so that you get updated whenever there's a new episode that comes out. Maybe even leave a review. That would help other parents find this podcast easier. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at the mom therapist. For more information, go to www.tessastuckey.com. Hello, hello, everyone. So today's episode is perfect for moms because I'm talking to a therapist who is also an author and a speaker, and she wrote this book called Mommy Burnout. Her name is Cheryl Ziegler. Uh, We had the best conversation. Like she really, I mean, she really helped me see a lot of things with my own life as mom and therapist and all the different roles that I play. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is really great, especially going into the holiday season because we get exhausted and stressed and burnt out. And her book is all about how to, one, avoid that, a preventative care, but also how to manage that once you're able to sit down and go, yep, that's what I'm experiencing. I mean, just listen to the title, Mommy Burnout, How to Reclaim Your Life and Raise Healthier Children in the Process. (sighs) that right there is just huge. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know I really did, and I can't wait to have her back. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I am, um, oh, I got a kid who's quarantining at home and having to help him. Uh, It's really a lot to juggle right now. So I am. I totally get that. We can we can do a quick thing if you want, because I totally understand that. Well, I'm just uh, sorry that I was a little late, and oh. but I will be ready to go pretty much right now. Hi. Hi. Let's see. How are you? Other than your son, I'm doing I'm doing well. I mean, other than you know navigating uh, why is your remote son, learning? Why is he in quarantine? Does he have it? He doesn't have it. Someone in, well, we don't think he has it, but someone in his class tested positive on literally only the fifth day that they were back at school. So they're out already. And, um, should get his, yeah, we have to get his results. And, um, it is really just frustrating. Technology is frustrating because, um, he, we bought him a brand new Chromebook and we're like, okay, we'll just set you all up and you'll have your own thing. And then it's like, you need this password. Oh, you can't sign in here. The device doesn't recognize. And that's, what's really frustrating. It's like, okay, I bought the computer. 
right. I'm ready to sign on and it's, I can't. So he's using between my laptop, his brother's laptop <laughs> to oh, be like, cause we've signed him on seven. Okay. Yeah. So I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and two five-year-olds. And for the first, I want to say four weeks of school, our school was doing only virtual and then they were allowed to go back. So for that first four weeks, I had to have four separate devices for each, like it was and the password, like exactly what you're saying, the passwords and logging them in and this and that. Oh my gosh. I was constantly going, hold on, I'll be right there. Constantly running back and forth. It was horrible. Horrible. Ah, um, well, hi, it's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> so I like talking with people like you, um, to hear your, you know, your perspective on today's world and you know, you're, work, you're a therapist, right? Out yep. of Denver. You're a mom, you speak. I watched um, your TED talk. I thought it was really great. And then you're also an author, The Mommy Burnout. And so I want to hear a little bit about that too. So, um, so I guess I'll uh, maybe relevant to some of your work too. Um, I can start with Mommy Burnout and how that came to be. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, so I have had a private practice in Denver, Colorado for almost 14 years. Okay. And, um, it's have a specialty. Do you parents or what, what do you, yeah. Yes. So it's called the child and family therapy center. So really it's about children. And then, okay. but what happens is when the families and, um, uh, by large majority moms, bringing their kids in, mm -hmm. I started seeing this theme. I started hearing this theme where it was like, moms were saying things like, I'm just so tired all the time. Is this really it? Like, is this it for my marriage? Is this it for parenting? Is this my purpose in life? Like, where is this going? And so it just felt like sort of mom after mom after mom, I kept hearing the same thing. And I really had this thought one day where I was like, man, if my three o'clock knew what my four o'clock felt and my four o'clock knew what my five o'clock felt, like simply put the world would just be a better place. I don't know what would happen, but I just know the world would be a better place. And people need to hear this. Yeah, they do. And these thoughts started happening about probably 12 years ago now, 11, 12 years ago. So it was before blogging sites were so big and even social media was so big, you know, there wasn't that place like to share community the way there is now. Right. And so I just thought to myself, I just want to write, I just want to write about this. I, maybe this is like my book and I want to write about what's, what's it like to be a mother today and how we're not talking about some, some of our dirty little secrets, like kids yeah. are a lot of times in bed with their parents at night and, you know, um, you know, moms are pretty unhappy. And so two really cool things spawned from that. I mean, basically I started writing a proposal. I got an agent and the agent said, well, my working title actually, when I got my agent was modern day motherhood. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, we're not going to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, we're going to need to name what you're describing what in motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, so that was like journey. Number one was to really understand what was going on? What is right. it? Right. So the cool thing is that like, A, it put me on a journey to understanding chronic stress and burnout. But the B part of the journey is that it also led me to, which is what I talk about in my TEDx talk, why moms are miserable. It led me to opening up Betty for Dan's book from 1962, yes. chapter yes. one, the problem that has no name. And I was like, love it. Right. And then I'm reading it and I devoured 
that chapter. It was written in the early 1960s and literally it's 2020 and not that much has changed. Changed. Yeah. So those two things just really inspired me. Like I want to do something for our future generation. I also want to leave a different legacy of what it means to be a woman, a working woman, a stay-at-home mom, a mom, a wife, whatever it is that you identify with, because we have so many identities. Mm-hmm. I want to change the definition and the narrative of what that means and what that looks like so that our girls are, especially girls, our daughters aren't, aren't feeling these pressures to be super mom, to know it all. And, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the other things that when I was really trying to prepare for the TEDx talk was just understanding that one of the unintended consequence of the civil rights movement of the women's movement was that we didn't just say at the end of it, great, thanks for doing all that marching and fighting and advocating for us for the last hundred years. Now I have a choice of where I want to go to school or if I want to work. What we did was just say, oh, okay, now I have to do it all. Yeah. Now I'm going to do what I'm doing now and, and just keep giving me more because I can do it all. And that's where we're still at today. 100%. And I think it's gotten worse because of social media. And I know for myself, when I became a mom and I would get on Instagram or something and I would see all these other moms that were like super fit and had just had a baby and they're working and they're just, their house is Pinterest perfect. And I'm sitting there like overweight with baby weight and like feeling like complete crap really about myself and thinking I had to keep up. It was exhausting, exhausting. So I think seeing other people, it's hard to even like feel happy for other people because you get lost in the, why aren't I doing that? And you get stuck in that pressure of all of it. And I will never forget. I was waking up at like three 30 or four every morning just to work out before like my husband had to go to work. And I was so exhausted that I ran a red light one day and I pulled with my baby in the car and I pulled over and just started sobbing because I was like, I'm putting my health, my baby's life at risk also that I could have like a six pack, which I never got by the way. Um, and this is ridiculous. And I was going to grad school at the time and trying to run a photography business. It was like to end have dinner on the table for my husband. Every time he came home, you know, it was just too much. And I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to stop working out every morning. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And that was easy for me to like take something off my plate at that moment, but through the years, like I'm constantly having to like check myself and say like, Tessa, are you doing too much? Are you running yourself dry? Are you spreading yourself thin? Like what's best for you and your heart so that you don't become like this monster? Cause it does, it makes you a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in what you said. I mean, I think societally, you would get a lot of praise for doing something like, oh my gosh, you get up at 4 a.m. and work out. That's so amazing. I wish that I could do that, Yeah. right? So nobody was saying to you, I think, um, which is what we might want to consider saying, huh, Mm -hmm. what's that really like? What's the toll that that's taking on you? What are you giving up so that you can get up at four in the morning? What's the really the benefits and the costs of that, right? Absolutely. 
Um, and no that's one said that to me. <laughs> right. No one said that to you. If anything, you were probably praised for it. And um, so, and those are those impossible standards that people talk about and eventually burn out on. Yeah. Um, sure. And so, you know, the, I like, you know, that story that you shared and, and mommy burnout, I share stories too of yeah. things of, of my life. I'm a mom of three right now. They're newly 13, 10 and seven. <laughs> um, but they, um, you know, what chronic stress will do to you is so interesting. And I've really, I think I'll probably, I've devoted last several years to just uh, studying it. And I probably will, will study it for the rest of my years because, um, it has such a physical and emotional impact and even what it does to our cognitive functioning. Yep. So, you know, the other last week, um, you know, one of my kids needed to do remote learning and I just, I, I literally, I had to do things. I couldn't figure it out. It was an unexpected day at doing remote learning. And it was like, I just said, you're just going to not go because I, I can't figure this out. Right. And then the net, and then I got a good night's sleep. And then the next morning I woke up, it was not a morning where I had to rush and go to sessions and meetings. And then all of a sudden it was just as easy breezy. I was like, wait, I know what to do. Yeah. Oh, I've got a remote camera that's working. Oh, I'll plug in there. And it like, right within five minutes, I had a solution yeah. the day before same problem. I had no solution. Right. You know, so it's just, it's not just how we feel or look when yeah. we're stressed. It's also the way we think it's the choices we make. It's our level of irritability. It's our ability to fight off depression and anxiety, yeah. which are taking over the world really. Um, you know, these are worldwide mental health epidemics. Right. And so we have to start taking this more seriously. And I really write about that in mommy burnout, even though the the title sometimes is catchy for people. Mm -hmm. It's not actually a book. Of, it's not like a humorous book on being right. a mom. It's a really serious book about actually women's health, chronic stress, and just how do we take care of ourselves when we are so engrossed on focusing on our kids and meeting their, their every need. Right. Yeah. I mean, it starts with us, right? If we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of our kids. And yep. I see that all the time. I'm sure you do too at work when I'm talking to a teenager or an adolescent and they are talking about something and all I'm thinking in my head is, I need your mom here. <laughs> I need to be talking to your mom right now, not you. Where's your mom? <laughs> you know? right. So it, it does. It starts with the parents. Absolutely. And like you said, the moms have, I mean, for me, just personally, like lost in this way of thinking of like, why is it like this? And why is it so easy for my husband? <laughs> You know, and like, will he ever understand what I go through? And his phrase right now is, I get it. I get it. And it totally triggers me. And I go off on him whenever he says that because he doesn't get it right. He's trying to say, I hear what you're saying, but he doesn't get it. And it triggers me. And I, I get so mad. Um, and I've had to come to terms with the fact that he'll never actually get it because he'll never be a mom. So he won't actually ever truly get it. And I'm exhausting myself trying to get him to understand. And I can only do so much to get him to understand, you know, but he'll never actually get it, you know, and that alone can be really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I think other, well, as, as you were talking, I grabbed 
my mommy burnout book because you can see that chapter six is literally titled he just doesn't get it oh my gosh oh my gosh how funny <gasps> um and that's why i get so many notes from people around the world that will say i felt like you were speaking to me, speaking to me. i felt like yeah literally that's the title so i he just doesn't get it and then the subtitles how burnout puts our marriages in jeopardy yeah but you know there's a couple of, of points about marriages and stress and parenting that I think are important. First is I have actually heard from so many men about why did you call this book mommy burnout? Why isn't it parenting burnout? Why isn't it daddy burnout? Where's daddy burnout? You know, and my experience, all I can say is I can't write about something that I don't know and that I haven't experienced. And I don't experience the dads who are involved in therapy as the same as the women. And so that was yet another research journey, which was to figure out why. Was that just my anecdotal experience? Right. Is that really true? Right. And so where I landed on, where I still land on, is that stress is experienced differently by gender. And that it was great to come across this 2000, um, it was written in the year 2000. It's a landmark UCLA study in which essentially they were able to diagnose that or assess that women, when under stress, we go into this mode that they call tend and befriend. Okay. We tend to our children and we befriend the other women in the tribe or community yep. to help us. Yeah. And so when under stress, that's what we want to do. We right. want to process, we want to care give, right? That's why we cook for people. Yeah. Um, we want to be nurturers. Yes. And when men are under stress, they want to solve the problems. Yes, they're fixers. <laughs> they're fixers. And both are needed and both have a place. Yep. And so it all became, so I wrote a whole chapter on it that lots of people have shared have been, that has been very helpful to the communication within their marriage, yeah. which is to say, um, like in your case, you know, hey, here's why this triggers me. I don't think we're having the same experience. And they're just different experiences. Right. <clears throat> it's not a judgment of one being right or wrong. So in the communication between men and women, when they can understand that one is a solver, yeah. a problem solver, and the other one is a nurturer and a processor. Yes. And that when you can actually honor both, you can have a harmonious marriage. You can have better communication. Yeah. You can have less stress and conflict. You can have empathy for one another because there is nothing um, more stressful on a marriage than when you are going through a challenging or difficult time yeah. and you feel like they don't get it. Right. right? And um, there are lots of things that women can get that we have not experienced just because we are such processors. Right. And that's, you know, again, generally speaking, obviously there's always going to be some exceptions, but okay. generally speaking, that's the way we process. So I think that, um, you know, for anybody who might be listening, who struggles to, with communication within their relationship or their marriage, um, it could be very helpful to, to really think yeah. about that and, you know, think about stress styles and how we process things. Yeah. That's interesting. Just even hearing that information so that it helps you understand the others, the other person's role within the family or within the relationship and then finding acceptance with that. And then having that communication, knowing all of that, I think would be leaps and bounds for so many people. It is interesting. I mean, I think what I tried to do 
Um, and I really think it still very much um, applies. There's nothing I, I think that I'm missing is I just tried to say, what are all of the factors that are poorly impacting women's mental health yeah. um, when they become mothers yeah. and really came up with about nine of them. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> I can, I can share them. They're really by chapter. Like they're like what I saw as the top contributing factors to the stress. And then I end with, are my kids burned out too? Right. So then that transition over to ah, kids sure. and what the stress and the pressure that we're seeing with them and the depression, and anxiety and suicide that we're seeing yeah. in kids, it is a trickle down effect. If sure. I am a super stressed mom, I cannot have really relaxed no. kids. No. So, um, so see, these are the things that I, these are the things that I see. So the first chapter is just understanding chronic stress and then burnout, what it looks like. Okay. And so each chapter starts off with like, Hey, does this sound familiar? Like sounds yeah. familiar. And just in the, in terms of like the burnout checklist, there's things that, um, you know, some people will resonate with some of them, but mm -hmm. if you're resonating with a lot of them, you're probably there. I just have things like trouble falling asleep, lacking energy throughout the day, beating yourself up for parenting decisions, reaching for junk food, um, looking forward to your glass or two um, of wine every night, yeah. popping painkillers because you say you're, you know, your head's pounding or your back hurts, mm -hmm. um, getting sick when your kids get sick, but staying sick much longer, mm -hmm. um, having little to no interest in sex dodging friends, phone calls and texts because you don't want them to hear your voice. So it's easier to just reply back on text. Right. Um, memory stuff, like forgetting where your car keys are, forgetting yeah. where you put things, um, not being able to remember the last time you did any self-care. When's the last time you just took yeah. care of yourself? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> once in a while, just sitting alone and crying because you feel overwhelmed. And the last one, just basically, if you hear yourself saying things like, I'm tired all the time. Yeah. You're probably in burnout. You've probably gone past chronic stress into burnout. So I, I open it up that way to get like the reader really grounded. Like, is this the right book for me? Is this, you know, and I think if you say yes, those are things that resonate with me. Then the areas that I've looked at that um, I think have the greatest impact on women as moms are friendships, mm -hmm. right? So chapter two is called, didn't I used to have friends? Mm -hmm. Like, you did. We probably all did, but I can't tell you how many women say to me, I don't have a best friend. Yeah. Right. You hear that too in your practice. All, all the time. All the time. Um, chapter three is about, um, I know my mom is just trying to help. It's around accepting help from mothers or in-laws and how to create a social support network so that you can allow people to help you yeah. and you don't see it as a weakness. Right. Um, chapter four, how many likes did I get today? The social media mommy trap, <laughs> right? So we all know, I think we all know all the things that we're worried about for our kids being on social media too much. They apply to us as well. Absolutely. Yep. Um, the next one is I just want what's best for my children, how the need to achieve perfection for our kids adds to our burnout. Mm -hmm. So I hear that all the time. You probably do too. I just want what's best for them. Right. And I say to people, we, we can't all have what's best. That's actually not good for us. No. <laughs> right. And we don't... what's best for our kids is for us to be as healthy as we can be mentally, physically, emotionally. And so that's creating those boundaries, right? And not to achieve for perfection, but good. 
you know, good for you kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, when you're on a quest for the best, you know, that puts you in a position to be stressed often, to be second guessing yourself often, and to also convey the message to your children that they should be on the quest for the best. So in how kids translate that is, then I need to get straight A's. Then I need to be the captain of my, you know, lacrosse team. Then I need to be all these things. Like I need to be the best in everything. Like no one's the best at everything. No one has the best of everything. Right. Um, but we seem to be societally on a quest for that. So I'm, yes, I have a whole chapter in my book about the pressure within our culture and how it's affecting our kids so horribly and how part of that is, you know, the parents putting it on their kids and then the lack of sleep that is happening um, because of all of this stuff, you know, anxiety, as well as just not enough time in the day for all of the things that the parents want their child to do. And it's, it's become too much. It's become debilitating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, very unhealthy. And I, I do want people to hear the message that not just mentally unhealthy, but also physically unhealthy, heart yes. health, disease, yes. obesity. These are, you know, very real, tangible, obvious kind of disease, dis-ease right? That we're getting from stress and pressure to be something that we were never meant to be. Nobody was ever meant to be the very best or have the very best of everything. Well, it's unreachable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's perfectionism. It's unreachable. There, there will always be someone better than you and there will always be someone who's behind you. So if you're holding on to this idea of being the best, the best, the best, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think the more, you know, what's, what's hard about that is that if there's just one person who has the mentality of like, yeah, I don't, I'm in, I'm going to stop that. And I'm not going to do that for my kids. They have a hard time because they still see everybody else getting private coaches and private tutors and going to this school or that one. And so then you're like, well, I wanted to do that, but then my kid's going to fall behind. Right. (laughs) So we have to be in this together. A hundred percent. Yep. And yep. That's the same stuff. I mean, that's my message in my book too. My book is definitely geared towards a completely different message, but the heart of it is we have to be in this together because if we're not, then what are we doing? You know, like we're exhausting ourselves and it really does have to be a cultural change, a shift that needs to happen for, you know, the well-being of our kids. And I've been in that spot where you know, especially over quarantine, we really loved not having anything to do and no, no Taekwondo lessons and no soccer practice and no this and that and this and that. And all the birthday parties were canceled, you know, and we were like, you know, we could do this more often, like sit around every weekend and not feel obligated to do all these things. And, and then I'm thinking, oh gosh, but will my kids not learn some of the lessons they're meant to learn? And what does happen if everyone else around them is talking about how they're excelling at sports or they're excelling at this and that, and my kid starts to feel insecure or lower self-esteem. So I'm currently trying to navigate that balance, you know, of, okay, what's too much, what's too little and that perfect middle ground. And it's different for each of my kids too, right? We know that, that every kid is different. And so trying to navigate that for each of my kids separately, you know, it can be really challenging and exhausting, but I think it's well worth it. 
it is worth it. And I think that's these, um, these, these chapters or these concepts build on each other because unless you have figured out a way to either find community or create community, mm-hmm. you will feel like an outsider. Yes. Right. So if post quarantine or post, you know, even just pandemic shutdown, um, you decide that there are these amazing lessons you learned and you're going to change your life and you're going to do some things differently. Right. And, and you really believe they're for the better, but you were in the same community and they haven't changed their values or their right. thoughts. You're right. the lone wolf. Right. Absolutely. And you're less likely to probably hang in there with your right. thoughts. Do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, then we, I kind of go on to marriages and then I talk about chapter seven is called, um, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. The working mom's dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, anybody who works with women who are mothers knows that this is something that's just on their minds at some points or the other, sometimes much more than other times, but it's, is this career worth it? Right. Or is staying at home worth it? Or right. in three years when the kids are all at school, yeah. what do I want to do with myself? Right. Then right. women are always looking for that. Like, but besides having a little baby, as soon as that baby's like in preschool, <laughs> women are thinking either I'm going to have another baby. My time. Yep. What am I going to do? Yep. Even if it's three, four years out, yep. they're thinking about those things. What am I going to do? And I think that, you know, of course it's gotten, gotten lots and lots of attention around what we need to do to support working mothers. We yep. know that uh, the pandemic has also hit working mothers sure. disproportionately. Horribly, yeah. um, I think we're always going to be a vulnerable population. Um, and always going to need to be very thoughtful about how to protect our space and our abilities to do the things that we want to do or feel called to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really, you know, it's always, always going to be an issue. So I just devote a chapter to harder. You do that happen. Even if it's mentally. Yes. Yeah. It's always going to be a thing. Yeah. I talk a lot with moms about like, who are you outside of being mom and outside of being wife? You know, finding your purpose outside of that. Being a mom is the best purpose in the world, but it doesn't have to be your only purpose. You can have other things, even if it's something like a a hobby or something, you know, joining a book club even, you know, but um, I think that it took me a little bit to understand that um, just in my own personal journey as a mom. And, and I'm so thankful I did get to that point because it was a game changer for me. And, and I see it as a game changer for a lot of my clients as well. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, everyone's situations are different. So some people feel like, well, I don't have the luxury to think about what do I want to do with my life? I have to, I have to work. Yeah. Or I have to do whatever. I have to stay home because my partner travels all the time, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Right. So some people, A, feel limited by their choices. Yeah. And I do think that there's probably a small percentage of cases where they really are quite limited. But I also think that even when you feel like I don't have choices, just talking to other people, creating community, yep talking to people who've been there before, who maybe have an at-home business that they're doing, an online business, a, they're, they're consultants, they work evenings. Right. You have to get creative sometimes. Yes. 
And no one is like running to us and going to just drop a solution on our laps. No. No. We have to be the change agents. We have to be our own best advocates. We okay. have to be able to have honest conversations with our partners and spouses to say yeah. things like, you know, I think I'm really unhappy yeah. and it doesn't mean I don't love my kids. No, I feel unfulfilled or I feel really overwhelmed or I don't, I'm not really the mom that I want to be because of whatever the circumstances. Yeah. So um, I just really, you know, for some people feel like in some ways they need permission or they need language yeah. for that. It's like, I'm trying to give that. Yeah. Like we give you permission to find yourself outside of the role that you're, you feel stuck in. Yep, absolutely. And that the subtitle to mommy burnout is how to reclaim your life and raise healthier children in the process. Yes. You know, and that's what it feels like. It feels like, um, there's this reclamation that needs to be happening where it's like, this is my life. And these are all the parts of my life that really matter. Um, and, um, I can raise amazing kids and take care of, put my oxygen mask on first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently, uh, last month wrote an article for the Harvard business review on working mom guilt. And it has been so well received, like any really exceeded my expectations of anything I could have imagined. Yeah. And it really was a moment, even though I focused so much on women's mental health issues and, mothers and mothering it's like yeah i never um stop to think about how working mom guilt just consumes women yes and it was very validating you know very very validating yeah yeah i'll have to read it because i get stuck in that sometimes and you know the good thing about my job is i make my own hours so i'm able to have that flexibility where if you know, my kid has a school play one afternoon. I can make sure I don't schedule clients during that time and go see the play. Um, but I also, I still struggle with the guilt sometimes. So I can only imagine moms who work full time, the guilt that they feel too, you know, that's hard. That is so hard. It is so hard. And I think that women are very plagued with guilt yes. um, just because that is just an emotion that we carry with us. Yes. Um, and we feel like maybe even unconsciously, we don't even realize that it makes us feel like, um, you know, like a caring person if we carry it. And I think that was, that was one of the things that really came out in the article that I think really touched a lot of women was that I wrote the fact that you just even experience guilt shows that you have empathy, that you care and you love people, yes, yes. you know, and just that is like, it's like a softening of the word. Cause guilt is like one of those words, one of those things that we know we shouldn't feel, but we do anyway. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Giving, giving guilt, I think some context yeah. and then being able to work from there is very helpful. And, you know, I will say, um, that writing about all of this, it's not that like, I never have stress. Of course I do. It's not that I never feel burned out. Sometimes I do, but I recognize the signs really early on. And I, I know what to do. That's the thing too. I was like, I know what to do when I feel it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the guilt. I, it's not that I never feel guilty, but I actually rarely feel guilty yeah. because I, because it's something that I'm actively consciously intentionally working on. Right. Exactly. You know, it doesn't come naturally to not feel guilty. You have to work on that. You have to be yeah. clear about your values. It's the preventative care that you're doing 
because you're aware of it and you want to take care of yourself in that manner. Yeah. I love that. I love everything that you're saying about this book and I can't wait to get my hands on it and read it because I think it would be helpful for myself as well as all of my mom clients. Like I think it would be amazing for people to read this and just find relief just from reading it, not even making big changes in their life yet, but just like, okay, I'm not the only one. And that, yes. that is one of the best feelings in the world to have. And that right there feels like support in a community, you know, just from reading somebody's book. So I can't wait to, to refer it out to, I already, I'm thinking of all my clients right now. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. There is, there yeah. is a lot of um, comfort in knowing that you're not alone. Yes. Um, I also give like a prescriptive plan at the end of each chapter yeah. that just like you said, are just easy, tangible things that you can start doing immediately yeah. that really do make a difference. Yeah. And sometimes you, especially when you're in stress, you can't think outside of the box that way, or maybe you have heard that before, but you didn't know how you were going to apply it. And right. a lot of times by the time you're reading this book, you're really, you're really tired and you're really ready for some change. Yeah. You're ready. Yeah. You're ready. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl, for being on my podcast. I can't wait to read your book and to speak further with you in the future. I love what you um, are doing and writing about. And so yeah. You send it. I'd love to read it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank, right. you. Thank you. Have a good day. Good luck with everything. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.